Welcome everybody to the Nerd Pool Podcast, the podcast where we talk pop culture, pro wrestling, and everything else that's on my mind. So sit back, grab your snack, and listen in as I rant and rave about everything we know and love. What's up everybody and welcome to another episode of the Nerd Pool Podcast. As always, I am your host, the fat fool that loves Deadpool. Yes, it's me. Yes, it's me. It's a JMIE, your 47th favorite podcast host, and as always, your Sherpa down the road of nerdiness. And I'm back, everybody. I took a month off. There was personal reasons. There was extenuating reasons. Uh, work schedules have been screwed up constantly. Sleep schedules. It's just, this year has just been a cluster, as you all know. I mean, it has just been foobard from the beginning. And I don't know if it's letting up or if it shows any sign of letting up. But if you've been affected by the COVID, corona, whatever you want to call it, if you've been affected by this pandemic and all my heart's with you because it has took a toll on me. It has took a toll on my financial situation, my mental health, personally, physically, spiritually, emotionally, in any way, shape, or form. It has just taken its toll. But I'm back today, and I'm bringing you a new episode. I thank you for being with me during that rough time. I thank you for, for not just bombarding me with why aren't you putting stuff out, you know, thank you all for respecting everything that I did, you guys are amazing, you guys, you gals, you chimichangas, you tacos, you you are just amazing people, and thank you all for the love and the support. Um, Some things have happened, but today mainly we're going to be talking about 30 years of The Undertaker. The Undertaker uh, recently retired at this past month's Survivor Series. It was 30 years to the day I believe that he actually uh, debuted in the WWE and 30 years in the business is a monumental thing in general, but to do it with one company is just huge. We're also going to be talking about um, the AEW video game a bit, so let's just jump right into it with the fact that uh, The Undertaker debuted in on November 22nd, 1990 at the WWE Survivor Series as part of Ted DiBiase's Survivor Series team. <clears throat> He was um, eliminated via countout to kind of save him, and since then, he took off. I mean, he had wrestled before that. He has been Commando. He was Texas Red. He was Mean Mark Calloway in WCW. He had had a few gimmicks here and there, but nothing ever took off until Vince McMahon signed him and gave him this character of The Undertaker, which was what an Undertaker is. He's a mortician. He always had these dark spiritual powers. He had a manager that would walk around uh, with an urn that supposedly gave him his powers, even though if you didn't know that Paul Bearer was not actually his original manager, it was Brother Love, and it just it, it worked for the second, but Paul Bearer just fit the, the voice, the look, everything. They just clicked. They were friends, and it just it took off from there. The Undertaker has been... One character that during the time um, when The Undertaker was introduced is when WWE was doing their early 90s, late 80s, early 90s. They were just transitioning out of the Hulk Hogan type era, and they were, you know, they were kind of starting to get away from that. They were going more character-driven 
um, storylines. We didn't have the Bob Backlunds and stuff as much. We were having people like uh, Duke the Drums, Dumpster Drozzy. Um, we were having Skinner. We were having the Goon. Just these characters that were based on a profession or a sport. And that seems to be what it was. You know, we had Doink the Clown. We had people like this going around. And The Undertaker just fit into that mold of what Vince McMahon and the creative of WWF at the time was doing. They they gave him a character. He had a great look to him. I mean, he was six foot ten, three hundred and twenty pounds. He could move. He was agile. He could dive over the top rope. He could do be powerhouse. He could walk the top rope. The man was just an anomaly and is considered one of the greatest big men of all time. Up there with Andre the Giant, up there with Vader, up you know, just the, these monsters of professional wrestling. He is considered one of the best big men that ever did it and he is a very character driven uh showrunner he's a very character driven wrestler i do believe that he is probably the most uh well-known character driven wrestler in professional wrestling history i mean you had other ones sting was character driven to a certain aspect and like they're they kind of paralleled to where they would update their gimmick as they went along when it was needed to basically stay relevant. However, the Undertaker's gimmick seemed to fit him at times more than than Sting's did. Um, the Undertaker went from being, you know, just the the under, the, the mortician, the, the 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 dead man, to a cult leader, to you know, basically a a Satan demon priest. Um, he went to be the American badass at one point, which he kind of got away from the dead man aspect. But it was another – that's when he brought his actual uh, – I guess you could say his persona. You know, he liked motorcycles. He liked to ride motorcycles. He was the American badass. And during that time, he needed a refresh because people were seeing the – you know, the, 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 the world of professional wrestling had changed already with the introductions of Stone Cold and the NWO and DX. And it was more – um, driven around quote unquote realism and and real characters and a lot of times real names, um, and the Undertaker. Some people were saying that it wasn't going to fit. Well, he fit in that whole mold because at this point is when he started doing the Ministry of Darkness, when he started being a cult leader, basically a satanic priest, you know, and and it was fitting. And then when that started dying off, when he started becoming the, the kind of a secondary character. He was never secondary. Let me get that out of the way. But when he started kind of falling to the wayside of not being in a title picture and not being on top of the card all the time, he decided to reinvent himself. And how did he reinvent himself? He became the American badass. He started driving a, you know, riding a motorcycle to the ring. He, he wore a bandana around his head. He looked like a biker. He, he didn't have the, the aspects of dark magic or connections to the dark side or anything like that he was just you know he he was dead man ink he was he was you know you were just screwed when he came to the ring and that got over like rover again taker seemed to be able to do this i mean part of it is at that point he had been in the wwf for 10 15 years and people just respect him i mean he's probably the from all accounts, all intents and purposes, everything that I've read, everything that I've seen, um, everything that I've seen spoken about, he was probably one of the most respected professional wrestlers in all of professional wrestling. There was three wrestlers that I know of, and again, this is just all what I've read and what people have said. There are three wrestlers for sure that 
ran in the locker room, and basically, if they didn't like you, you weren't getting over. You weren't going to do what you, you know anything, and basically, everybody respected and listened to. And that was um, Andre the Giant, that was Harley Race, and that was the Undertaker. The Undertaker was the locker room leader for many, many years. The Undertaker was the one who held wrestlers' court. He was the judge, the jury, the executioner. You know, if, if you fucked up and everybody brought you before wrestlers' court, that he was the one that presided over everything. And he was the one that basically determined your fate. Um, and, you know, you couldn't do anything without his blessing when it comes to anything in the locker room. He was just that well-respected. He was also, people said that he would help you out. If you asked a question, he would help you. It wasn't like he was just untouchable. He was one of those ones that was willing to help uh, people in the process. And I think that's one thing that helped his legacy grow. And one of the things that kept him in the business for so long was the fact that he wasn't he, he wasn't this snobbish, you know, I'm better than you, I'm on top of the card, what are you doing talking to me type. He would help you as long as he respected you. Um, he went from being the American badass. When that started getting stale, he returned to his dead man persona, and he held that until he retired at Survivor Series in 2020, 30 years to the day in the WWE. He was a... 30-year vet. I mean, that's just insane. Seven-time um, world champion. He was a four-time WWE champion, three-time world heavyweight champion in the WWE. He's been one of the mainstays. I mean, we all know, if you're a professional wrestling fan, you know about the streak. I mean, the streak was 21 years, 21 WrestleManias without a loss, and some great fantastic matches. He took on some of the greatest greatest there was. He took on some people that were terrible. But he never lost until his 22nd WrestleMania when he lost to Brock Lesnar. Now, that was a controversial, controversial um, match in and of itself. I still believe to this day that Taker got concussed really bad. And the finish of it seemed a little shocking. I think Taker was supposed to kick out at the end of it. If you go back, if you watch it, I think that he probably was supposed to kick out and he just forgot or couldn't physically do it at the time. Because even the look on Paul Heyman's face was like, I can't believe this. But I just remember watching that moment and watching this raucous crowd of 80,000 plus whatever it was just go silent. You know, WrestleMania, if you've watched WrestleMania, if you know WrestleMania, the crowd is always just hype. People from all over the world, people from all over the country, wrestling fans. These are pure wrestling fans. These are not your everyday casuals. These are legitimately wrestling fans. They come from all over the world. They spend hundreds or thousands of dollars to be there for the week, for the weekend, to take in all the festivities, all the independent shows, and then you know the Hall of Fame ceremony, uh, NXT TakeOvers doing their big thing that weekend now, and then WrestleMania, of course, then you have the Raw and the SmackDown in the towns of, you know, before WrestleMania and after WrestleMania. So it's a huge event, and you have wrestler and wrestling fans from all over, and they're raucous, they're loud, they're chanting, you know, 80,000 people, and you could hear it, and you could feel it. Even watching on TV, you could feel that energy when that's going on. And to have The Undertaker lose, and the entire crowd go silent. There isn't a sound. You could hurt a pin drop. It was just an amazing, an amazing moment to see. Now, should it have happened? I don't know. The, the time-honored tradition of going out 
is you put the next guy over. Okay. Um, at this point, Taker wasn't going out. He was hurt. He had hip problems. He needed surgery, needed time to recover, but he wasn't going out yet. He wasn't retiring. And when you go out, you need to put somebody over. Brock Lesnar didn't need to be put over. Brock Lesnar was already a huge star. He had already been a multiple-time WWF uh, undisputed champion, left, went to the NFL, got cut before the season officially started, but made the team for the Vikings, then went to the UFC, became a heavyweight champion, went back. You know, I mean, this is... He didn't. It wasn't like he was a young young lion in this. He was an established star. He was a huge, huge main event, former world champion star in the world of professional wrestling. And the whole thing was is that um, he looked legitimately like he legitimately probably could have beat the Undertaker. I mean, he was like I said, a former UFC champion. He was an NCAA uh, divisional uh, heavyweight champion. He he. You know, he was strong, he was big, he was fast, he was quick. So, yes, realistically, he could have beat The Undertaker, and it made sense in that aspect. And Vince wanted to make Brock the most hated man in wrestling. He wanted to make Brock this unstoppable force that even The Undertaker's streak couldn't conquer. But I still think Brock didn't need it. Like, watching that match, it wasn't that great of a match. I mean, Taker was hurt and did everything he could. Brock... Brock were motivated, can put on a good match, and he did his part. Like, I know he respected Taker. Taker's one of the few people he respected. It just it didn't click. Taker was hurt. Taker got concussed, and the match just shouldn't have ended the way it did. He should not have been the one to end the streak, especially when the next year Bray Wyatt took him on and Bray Wyatt lost to him, and then Roman Reigns took him on the next year and Roman, Roman Reigns beat him. Now, if you're going to pass the torch, um, we all know Roman Reigns. If you watch the WWE, Roman Reigns is their guy. He has been since he was called up from NXT. And he needs – he could have had that win. You could have made him the biggest heel in the business. You could have made him over like Rover if Taker put him out and went out on his shield like that. And Taker lost to him. Taker didn't have a problem losing to him. You know, I'm pretty sure if Taker didn't want to lose to either of these guys, he wouldn't have lost to either of these guys. Then I, I kind of I'm in the aspect of I wish the streak would have never locked, never ended. It would he should have retired with the streak intact. That's just my opinion. Um, there's a lot of people that say he shouldn't have again the time artificial going down your back, but you can go out on your back and not, you know, not lose lose the streak. You know, he didn't have to lose the streak to go out on his shield, but he he did, and his last match officially in. The WWE will be at this past year's WrestleMania uh, 2020 with no crowd when they did the cinematic boneyard match against AJ Styles. So AJ Styles will have the distinct distinction of being the last opponent of The Undertaker for now. I mean, you never say never in this business. There's a good chance he could come back at any point in time and, you know, have one more match, especially at a WrestleMania against the right opponent. However... As of right now, The Undertaker has officially retired from in-ring competition. Um, if you've been keeping up, he's been doing interviews. He's been doing podcasts. He's been doing a lot of media tours that he never did before. You know, he always kept that character intact. He always kept the character, you know, real and mysterious, and he didn't want to do interviews in character. He didn't want to do interviews at all in the media. 
And now The Undertaker's retired. Mark Calloway can actually start being that person and actually start doing these interviews and telling stories of some of the, you know, stuff that he's seen in this business for 30 plus years. And this just the, the people he's met and the people that they've what he's who's he, who he's interacted with and and just stories like that, you know. He can tell this now, and it's interesting. If you go to the WWE Network and listen to the Broken Skull Sessions with uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin, some of those stories are stuff I didn't know, and it's just hearing him be real and hearing him talk about this stuff, you can tell that he's he feels free, and he feels like um, a monkey's off his back, for lack of a better term, and... I think he's having fun and he's enjoying it. I mean, he's got a, he's got his daughter, he's got his wife, he's got his other kids. You know, he's got this time now to be Mark Calloway and not the undertaker. And it was, it's just a good, good thing to see and, and to feel. And I grew up with him. I watched him pretty much since the day I started watching wrestling and to see him retire was a sad moment for me um, as a fan, because again, I grew up with it. You know, legitimately, when I started watching wrestling as a young kid, The Undertaker was there. The Undertaker, I've watched him grow. I've watched his character evolve, and I've always liked his character. I've always liked him because I thought he was just a very character-driven star, and especially into a business later on to where the characters weren't portrayed as comical as they were, you know, you weren't having characters like his. And I don't know if we'll have characters like his again. I don't know if we'll ever have anybody like the undertaker be around for 30 years with the same gimmick again. Like it's just a rarity nowadays, but my hats off to him. Um, thank you taker for all the years that you've given us. Thank you for all the matches you've given us. I mean, some of the best matches I've ever seen, the Shawn Michaels matches at WrestleMania, his two matches against Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania are some of the greatest professional wrestling matches you'll ever see. His beautiful matches with Triple H, his probably some of my favorite ones were him and Mankind. I mean, Mick Foley is one of my idols in the business, and them two working together, Mick Foley was brought in as Mankind to specifically work with The Undertaker. And they both made each other look better. They both made each other look like stars. And Taker could work with anybody. Big, small, fat, slow, fast, agile, tall, whatever. He could go in there and he could make you look good. Just look at what he did with um, Giant Gonzalez at WrestleMania 10, I believe it was. No, yes, WrestleMania 9 or 10. Um, the guy couldn't move, the guy couldn't work, the guy couldn't wrestle, and Taker got the best match possible out of him. I mean, it wasn't a great match, but he got the best match possible out of him. That's just who he was. That's how he was. And that was his respect for the business. So, again, thank you to The Undertaker. Thank you for everything you've done. 30 years of entertaining us fans and keeping us enthralled and keeping us just interested in your character. You will forever be one of the greatest of all time. You are the best character-driven performer in professional wrestling history. You are one of the best big men to ever do it, if not the best big man to ever do it. So thank you for everything you're doing. Now moving on to some news that dropped eventually. AEW, when AEW started, they first announced that they were going to be AEW. The, the, before they did a show, before they had a roster, when it was just basically Jericho, the Bucks, Omega, and Hangman Page signed, that was it. People were saying, when do we get a video game? Mainly because Kenny Omega is a huge video game nerd. And he said forever he wants to do a professional wrestling video game. 
What's the greatest professional wrestling video game of all time? WWF No Mercy. Hands down, if you're disagreeing, you're wrong. Yes, the SmackDown series, Here Comes the Pain, Know Your Role, these were great. Uh, Day of Reckoning was great. WCW versus NWO Revenge was great. You know, we have great professional wrestling games out there. There really are legitimate great professional wrestling games. But the consensus is, and for the majority of professional wrestling fans who play video games, the greatest wrestling video game ever was WWF No Mercy. The roster was huge. The creator wrestler was amazing. The graphics still don't hold up, but nothing from that era does. You know, nothing from that era really holds up. But the gameplay was very easy to pick up. Anybody could pick it up and play it. You didn't have to button mash. You didn't have to do all this different stuff to do a move. It was A and B, you know, a few things. It was very simple, very simplistic. The story mode was just, I mean, it was the first time a story mode came to where you could basically win or lose or how you won or how you lost would determine what path you took in the story. And that was that's why to this day you can pick up No Mercy and you can enjoy it. The, like I said, the roster was just insane with all these legends on it. And the creative wrestler and everything about it was just, it, it's the perfect wrestling game. Kenny Omega has said this forever. He wants to do a wrestling game in that style. So, Earlier um, this month, or this past month, AEW put out a thing saying that they were going to do an announcement on AEW games on YouTube. Well, the moment that happened, everybody's speculating, you know, that is there going to be a video game announcement? There had to have been. Like, there had to. If you're going to say AEW games, there has to be. That was just the consensus. Well, they do a mock uh, Apple reveal. Kenny Omega's in a black turtleneck, white shoes, blue jeans, looking very Steve Jobbish. He comes out, he talks about it, and then he gives us a little clip of the AEW video game. He tells everybody, this is raw footage, you know, we're very early in development, we just wanted to give you something. We see Jericho, we see Omega, and we see Hikaru Shida. Those are the only three characters we see. And we see one aspect of of what looks like creative characters hitting a Meltzer driver. Okay. Well, as soon as this happened, I'm pumped. But the internet and wrestling fans in general exploded with hate. The graphics don't look good. The body molds don't look good. I can't believe this garbage is going to come out. You have complained for a year and a half before they were even ready that you wanted a video game. They give you pretty much raw footage and you are bitching about raw footage that he told you beforehand is not done. And people argued with me online. Yeah, but the body molds are are done. They can't fix that any. If you look at the trailer, go to AEW Games on YouTube. You can look at the trailer. The body molds are not hyper-realistic. They're not looking like 2K graphics. They they don't. I 100% agree. What do they look like? They look like updated No Mercy graphics. The face scans are real. If you remember the No Mercy graphics, everybody was big and bulk, bulky. People had the same height. If you pick Takamishinoku and pick Kane, they were pretty much the same height. That's how it was. 
you know, they, they didn't look, they didn't look hyper-realistic. And that, was, that, that wasn't the appeal of it. That didn't matter. This is an updated graphics of it. Look at it. Look at No Mercy. It's updated graphics. They got the team of Uke that was doing the WWE 2K games with 2K up until this past year when 2K20 came out. And we all knew what that debacle was. That was a shit show with 2K doing it. Uke is helping them perform. They was rumored that they were getting the team from AKI who did the No Mercy games, who did WCW Revenge and WCW and NWO World Tour, these games. They were saying that they were getting, they were working with them. I don't know if they're officially working with them. Um, They changed their name in the early 2000s. AKI Corporation went out of business, and it's now um, Sin Sophia or Sign Sophia or something like that, but it's that team. However... Kenny Omega did show that the guy who was responsible for directing and producing these games is on board and is working with them. Now, I'm going to butcher his name. As you all know, I cannot pronounce names. His name, I believe, is pronounced Haiduyuki Iwishita, or known as Gata. That's... He's working on it. He was the mastermind behind No Mercy. He was the mastermind behind these games that were so revered. And if he is working on this game and they update WWF No Mercy, they take it, update the graphics, but have the same gameplay, this game is going to be probably the best wrestling game ever. Okay, I'm just being honest. The roster they have is a good roster. They have some people I love in the AEW roster. But they also, if they, if they can take this and make it a simplistic style gameplay, mixing uh, professional wrestling and arcade style, this game is going to be phenomenal. I mean, just look, the last time we had a pro wrestling company put out a video game that was not WWE was when TNA did it in 2007, I believe it was. Maybe it was earlier than that. could be later than that. That game wasn't bad, but it wasn't great. And since then, WWE has dominated the video games aspect until AEW is now coming forward. I'm excited for this game. The trailer got me hyped. If you're complaining about how this game looks, then please kindly see yourself to the back of the line. I don't get why you're complaining and bitching about a game that is nowhere near finished yet. Just because you didn't like the way a body mold was. They're not going for hyper-realism. They're going for great gameplay. They're going for updated WWF No Mercy graphics. They're going for that style of video game. And that is the best thing they can do for professional wrestling fans. Because again, anybody can pick up No Mercy and enjoy it. Wrestling fan, non-wrestling fan, young, old, whatever. It is a simple gameplay. It is simple buttons, simple controls with an in-depth story. And it is just amazingly fun. And if they can recapture even half of that, this game is going to be amazing. But go to AEW Games. Go to AEW Games on YouTube or awgames.com, go there, watch the trailer, make up your own mind, and let me know what you think about it. Let me know if you think this game's going to be great, if you think it looks bad, however. How do you do that? Well, it's easy. You go to the old Twitter machine and you hit me up at NerdPoolPod. 
You can go to Instagram. I'm at Nerdpool Podcast. I'm on Twitch at Nerdpool Gaming. You can go to my Facebook page at Nerdpool Podcast. Thank you all again for the love and support. Thank you for being with me in these trying times. Thank you for allowing me to bring you a little bit of entertainment and a little bit of talking and passion into your life. Um, I hopefully, God willing, because it seems like this past year, every time I have something big planned, it goes to it just goes to heck in a handbasket. Um, I do, fingers crossed, have a Christmas episode coming up, my first Christmas special of this year with guests and games and we're going I'm going to do my best to get this out because I'm tired of of the Rona taking away my big ideas and my big moments. It took episode 100 from me, it took my Halloween episode from me and I'm very upset at this. However, we're moving on. Thank you all for the love, thank you for the support. Um please click that like button. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Share the podcast, leave me a rating, leave me a review, leave me a comment. Thank you all. Um, Until next time, that's Nerdpool. See ya.